0: Welcome back to After This. Um, Obviously, a lot of you have probably just recently seen the uh, Brexit... Well, not Brexit results, but it's the UK election results, which relate to Brexit. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, we thought we'd do an episode about it because this should be coming out just a couple of days after it happens. Um, So, what we really wanted to talk about was the entire election and sort of the Brexit movement and the EU and sort sort of how we've got here. Mm-hmm. To the point where we've got this conservative landslide, which um, I'm not super thrilled about at all, <laughs> other people aren't, but I'm trying to figure out... And I, I do kind of understand how it's got here, but the thing yeah. is, I'm, um, I thought we'd break it down a bit more. So, um, yeah, basically, as you can see, so just to start from the obvious results, that the Conservatives won 365 seats which is 43% of the Parliament. <clears throat> and then Labour won 203, which is 32%. Um, the Scottish National Party won 48, which is 3.9%, but pretty much all of Scotland. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 11 went to the Liberal Democrats of 116 but <clears throat> So they're kind of irrelevant now anyway. But um, basically, obviously, the Conservatives now have a majority. They don't need to appease anyone, <clears throat> Like they don't need to make friends with anyone to get anything through because they have a majority. Um, so we probably will see Brexit sometime soon. It might be, it's it might January. be, it <laughs> might be like I don't. I'm actually not sure when they're planning on doing it now. But obviously, it'll be whatever you know Boris Johnson decides to put through. See the funny thing is, is Boris Johnson. Like I think him and a lot of the other. Um, The recent Conservative Party leaders, um, I don't really understand how he got where he is. Mm. Like, it's like when you look, you look at someone like Donald Trump, right? It's like I don't, I don't like the guy at all, but I can understand how he's manipulated his way to the point he's at because he seems very skilled at that. Yes, working the media, working people, working everything. He's very good at that, and so he's got where he is. And I'm like, okay, I understand how you've ended up here. How has Boris Johnson ended up at the top of the Conservative? What's
1: his history? Do you know who's... I don't know. He used
0: to be the mayor of London before Sadiq Khan, but I don't know of anything he's ever actually done. He looks like he's complained about the weather a lot. I I mean, I guess so. I mean, I guess his hair doesn't like it, you know. It's just, he looks like he just escaped from, I don't know, some like weird preschool or something. He doesn't... He never looks like he knows what's going on. No. And And somehow he's ended up at the top of the thing. And that kind of
1: anti elitism and anti intellectualism, yeah. like that's probably the fact that he looks like he doesn't know what's going on. Probably <laughs> benefits him in the current climate.
0: Like, look, yeah, I mean, maybe, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know. The thing is, he has that, he has that air about him, like he's one of the English old boys, yeah. like he, he's went to private schools and all that sort of stuff, and and he's sort of like come out um, as a product of that environment. And mm-hmm. you'd think people would not like that, but maybe they in the nationalist climate. They like that. I... I'm actually not sure with mm. Boris Johnson. It just, it confuses me every time I see him on a podium. Yeah. <laughs> we need
2: to fly to England again, Daniel, so we can get you to interview the people in the streets.
0: I, I'm happy to let my British citizenship lapse if they leave the EU, because honestly, I don't want to go to oh, England. no, that's what I was saying. I was <laughs> it, I'm
2: like, my European passport. No. Because that's the
0: thing, it's like, I, I, I want to go to Europe. I don't really want to go to the UK, because it sucks. <laughs> and I lived there for four years, and it was garbage. So I'm like like visiting there is a holiday but living there like is one thing but living there there's a lot of inconveniences we take for granted in australia oh yeah they're just like Like about about about, like just the condition of the towns and the weather and the shopping and the cost of things and Mm. the housing sizes and all these things like you don't think about them until you don't have them yeah Uh, england doesn't have a lot of that stuff and it's it's just a bit i don't know i wasn't a big fan of it, when i lived there um so i was happy to come back but yeah i, I really wish i could keep that ease, citizenship but obviously um i can't yeah but um yeah so anyway um it's just really confusing seeing the conservatives running ahead i i understand it and i guess that's what we're going to get into now is is why it's gotten to this point because i think i'll just go back cause we talked about all of these points at some point um, yeah. It's just that we haven't talked about them in the context, I think, of Brexit solidly. Yeah. Um, so the first one is the conservative resurgence, because probably since, I honestly, I would say it's since 2001 when nine eleven mm. happened. Mm. I think everyone was sort of just, <clears throat> you know, happily proceeding with everything until that happened. And then that started a lot of weird questioning and a lot of like weird new stuff popping up and obviously the wars happening in Iraq mm. and Afghanistan and then stuff started to get like we're getting into military adventurism, and why don't we mm. care about the people at home? That yeah. mentality came out, and it
1: took it took me a long while to understand because I was obviously very young when nine eleven happened. I was yeah. like in grade five or grade six or something. I think we're it all been about the same. Well, you're. I think I'm a year below you.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was in year seven. Yeah, we I mean, were in year seven, common area. I was definitely in primary yeah. school,
1: so I must have been in year six. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't until there's an episode of the TV show The Newsroom. But that goes right, into okay. it a lot. And after watching that, I finally kind of understood the emotional impact of, like, mm-hmm. you living in a kind of safe, developed nation, you just kind of feel like you're untouchable. And then yeah. something like that happens. And it's like, oh, no, we can be affected by the...
0: Yeah. Like, <clears throat>
1: a small number of people can fuck us up. Um, yeah. So I guess that, that fear, <laughs> and, and it's something that I've kind of felt more since stuff started happening in Melbourne. I mean obviously nothing Mm. anywhere near as bad as nine eleven. Like with
0: the Burke Street. The Berk Street thing. That was a big one. Um, so for people that aren't aware, it was like a year ago or two years ago there was a dude who basically just full pelt drove down the sidewalk in Burke Street, which is one of the busiest streets in Melbourne Mm. and just clean like Hit yeah, a whole ton of people, killed a whole bunch of people, and they had to arrest him in the end. He wasn't actually a, he wasn't a terrorist, but he was just like this mentally unstable guy mm. um, that they ended up having to obviously arrest and deal with. But yeah, um, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, of, So but yeah, but yeah, no, no. Just, and and yeah. I think
1: that that fear is something mm. that drives people to more mm. kind of conservative because you want the strong father mm. figure to protect you, yeah, and yeah, yeah. you know you you feel like you you have less. Um, Less ability to care about other people when you're scared for your own yeah. situation.
0: Yeah. And it's I, the
2: unfortunate thing of just like the impact of trauma. Like mm, that's mm, Yeah. It's like when something like that, you don't remember all the good times and they don't linger around, but something like that just keeps you on edge. You know, oh, yeah. Like Absolutely. it instills itself somewhere inside you.
0: No, no, it really does. And I think the thing is, there was a fear response. And then obviously everyone went to war. and Everyone was like, "What do we do? This is terrifying. What's happening?" <clears throat> and you can see it in the way Donald Trump manipulated the stuff with the the Muslim fears and yeah, saying oh, they're laughing yeah. at us and all that sort of stuff. Like it was still there. Like all yeah. that all those feelings were still there, and so he's still exploiting them. But the thing is, it was sort of that rolling into the GFC. <clears throat> yeah, I think that was when it rolled into the GFC, and then what was already like a hemorrhage, a slow hemorrhage of. Um, uh, manufacturing and other kinds of work, like blue-collar work. Yeah. And suddenly hit the GFC, and then it was like they dumped huge amounts of it because mm. suddenly it was so expensive. All these companies were having to do all this crazy stuff to survive. So they massive offshoring, massive automation, all that stuff, just to get through that period. Yeah. And so it got way worse suddenly. And then there was this big backlash event seeing basically all the bankers not get punished. Yeah and um basically cuz technically everything they did was legal mm. that's the problem is that like yeah. because of our slow deregulation of the banking industry all the stuff they did was completely legal it was mm. dramatically irresponsible but it wasn't illegal yeah <clears throat> so what um <clears throat> what happened after that really is you could see after the gfc and after that net went nowhere from about 2010 onwards it starts to really ramp up mm. um, and it ramped up and ramped up and that's when you had all the mini Donald Trumps in America I can't remember the names of them but it was I talked about that book I was talking about American Carnage mm. um, but there was a couple of people that were like mini versions of him that were saying that stuff mm. before he came out and um,
1: <clears throat> it's and happened
0: just... it's the same thing that's happened in Britain sorry I
1: was saying he just had the money to
0: oh uh, yeah his, and he it honestly itself. he knew how to do it better yeah he threw his money behind it and he threw it behind it with the right message in the right mm. way that he hit the nail on the head with, yeah. what, with what everyone was getting angry about. And, um, yeah, and the same thing happened in the UK, obviously, because in the 50s and 60s of sort of post-war reconstruction, the economy was firing up again. Everyone was starting to get, like, factory work, sort of like in um, in America. And they had a similar path sort of thing and like the same thing happened with 9-11 obviously it wasn't them but it's the west it's still yeah it's still the exactly. west it's the english-speaking
1: world it's the american culture it's yeah. It's, it's yeah
0: it's the anglosphere basically yeah. and then the gfc affected them as well because obviously everything's global now which is part of the what we're talking about generally on this podcast but the thing is they went through the same process <clears throat> and they um i think started to associate the EU as being part of that big unfair thing that sits above them.
1: Right. (coughs) Mm, That is interesting.
0: But basically, because the EU is this semi-democratic, semi-functional thing, because it didn't get to finish building into a federation, it's sort of half-developed. So it's not quite all the stuff that you need. It's not... Yeah, it's 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 broken in the way that it's meant to be a federation, just has a lot of stuff missing. Yeah. Um, so people saw that as being part of the same sort of thing that was the bankers getting off for of GFC. It's like these people that sit in these towns where there's like no work, there's no companies, there's no anything, like there's very little money, everyone seems to be poor and basically like, just seeing all this stuff going on far away where they don't seem to get ha- get to have anything to do with it. They don't get to participate. Everyone's getting away with screwing the world.
2: Yeah.
0: <clears throat> and, um, <clears throat> yeah, I think it's just frustration built up. Mm. You, you, I, you, I think I mentioned the Brexit movie. I think they cover this kind of well. Okay. In Especially in, like, um, rural Britain. Well, not rural Britain, but, like, towns like that yeah. aren't London sort of thing. Yeah. Um, they cover it pretty well. But yeah, there's this whole thing that built up, and it was like it became like a kind of nationalism that like money's flying overseas, elites go everywhere, that kind of thing. It's kind of exactly what we're talking about, but their interpretation of it was to hard clamp down on the nationalism, yeah, and basically say bring everything back, stop letting it go everywhere, all the work, all the stuff. Because again, from their perspective, sitting in these towns, watching businesses vanish and jobs vanish, it's like it feels like basically everything's just leaving, yeah, and mm-hmm. it's like. We want to bring stuff back.
1: Yeah, that's, so it's going somewhere else. Like, yeah, you know, like a zero sum. Yeah, 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 basically. It's not I mean, some it's, of it's
0: moving somewhere else. Yeah, some of it. It's I mean, definitely. that's the thing is, like with the EU, a lot of stuff would move sometimes to like uh, cheaper parts of the EU, yeah. that kind of thing. And I think they saw stuff like that, and it's like. Mm. This narrative got built up, obviously, and then when the Brexit people sort of turned up and really went hard on it, they were able to link a lot of things together mm-hmm. and sort of create this thing that the EU is just tearing the country to pieces.
1: This is a a really difficult and out there question that I don't really expect you to know the yeah. answer to. But does the EU have plans to like try to move towards a the same minimum wage across all of the countries?
0: Because um, I wonder if I, that
1: would... I don't uh, know actually. I think, I, think
0: you, I think some things in the EU like you kind of you don't have to do them. Yeah, it's I, like I, like like having the euro. It's like you can opt to have it. Yeah, they they'd like you to, and you can opt to, but you can also say no. And I think I think there's a kind of EU minimum wage, but it doesn't just, actually.
1: Yeah, I wonder if that would do anything to help the kind of jobs moving to elsewhere in the EU. But But the problem is, it's so
0: mixed up with nationalism now that the problem is that anything the EU says about minimum wages, the 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 interpretation of it would probably be um, that you know the classic thing that people say when you put up a minimum wage that it's making business even harder to do and more unaffordable, and and you certainly have to destroy the country. Like that's what they—that's how they play that out. You know, you'd have to do
1: it slowly. That's the thing. You can't go in and immediately because it's
0: I think fundamentally there's nothing actually wrong with what the EU is doing it's all interpretation I mean that's what that's what politics is it's all interpretation yeah and the thing is nothing that they've actually done is bad Mm. it's just that bad things have happened in the UK and they're being attached to the EU yes it's like they can fix everything if they get rid of it or something like that Mm. so yeah that's like
2: a common symptom of just like partial control is like you'll be trying to do the right thing but you've always got someone else who wants that part of the power and responsibility you have and I'll always be trying to swing it another way, swing it another way. Mm. And yeah. You know. And then <laughs> yeah. you
1: kinda of cop the blame. <laughs>
2: yeah, you yeah. cop the blame, you're yeah. just chasing your tail and you're like, I'm just trying to do the right thing
0: <laughs> I mean I mean you look at you look at Australia with the um you know, the the continuous thing being pushed about like debt problems. Hmm. But that's like the favorite line of the right wing. But then every time they get in power, they put the debt up higher than anyone else ever has. It's like it's Just completely insane. But people still quote it all the time, mm. and that's what I mean. It's interpretation of marketing, and they've interpreted. They've they've they've, they've controlled the interpretation and in the marketing of the Brexit campaign to such a degree that everyone associates it with what they want it associated with. They don't. It's not a question of what they actually do. It's a question of this weird quasi-nationalism thing. Um, so anyway, so I'll, I'll keep going. The other thing is, um, it's sort of linked to... And it, it sort of actually plays into what we were talking about, is, it, is the inequality of opportunity. Um, so it's sort of wealth segregation, because um, what you've seen... And this has happened in America as well. So this is, again, it's an Anglosphere thing, because all of this stuff really is Anglosphere stuff. Mm. Um, what's happened over the past, like, 50 years, or 60 years, is... The small towns and everything where people historically, like you'd have a town or a a small city or something like that where you'd have a whole bunch of different people, they'd all grow up and they'd go to work and they'd do things in that town, invent stuff, whatever. They'd all just pretty much stay there. Like a few people would leave, but they mostly stay. What happens now because of the prevalence of college and um, all those kinds of things is you see instead people en masse Fleeing out of these areas of the mm. country and going to wealthy areas or education areas where unis are, and they never really come back. No. Um, so the same thing's happened in the UK. It's happened in it's happened in rural Australia too, mm. um, and it's happened in the US. Is basically what used to be like a smart person would stay there and make stuff and invent and make a company or something. Now they're all just flooding into San Francisco and doing it there or something yeah. like, like that's all London or whatever mm. it is. And so you have... as so it's what's called brain drain. So basically all you're left with is the people that don't have great economic prospects. Yeah. And don't really have anything else. Yeah. And so they just sort of silo. And then you end up with this wealth segregation. Um, and I think that's created... That's exacerbated the problem in the towns and the rural areas. Because basically all the people that can leave do. And mm. like, I mean, what culture does that create? Like... Everyone who c- could leave this place has kind of. Thing. <laughs> and it's like how does it's that? It's not going to make
1: you feel great if you're one of the ones remaining. Exactly, like, and I oh. think
0: I think it's created a kind of like anti- and that's fueled the anti elite thing. Yeah, it's like all the people who are left are like, I'm the people that are left. Screw them, kind of thing. Yeah, like they think they're better than me, all that sort of stuff. And um, I remember on one of the on one of the Brexit things, they were interviewing a guy. Um, and he, I'm paraphrasing him. I can't remember the exact quote that he said. He says, well, we see all these things and hear all these things and all these great things that are happening, but they never seem to happen around here. Mm. And I feel like there's this big, he said, I feel like there's this big dream of Great Britain that's going on and we're not allowed to participate. Mm. Like, and it's like that's the sentiment that exists. And I think it's just watching jobs and smart people and everything and the culture, culture basically saying you have lost because you have to stay here kind of thing. Like there's this omnipresent thing in the background. Um, and so I think that's really, um, made it harder because obviously when you stay there, there's no, the work is gone because it's gone with the smart people and Mm. it's all that sort of stuff. um, And it's really caused this massive problem that I think is worse in America Mm. because you have these whole sections, like, whole states. Like, it's such a bigger area. Mm. And things are cut off more because it's so coastal with Mm. its opportunities. Um, It's, like, the middle and the rust belt and everything is just, like, nothing's left kind of thing. So, um yeah I think that's been really bad because that was in the book I just finished listening to called Hillbilly Elegy Mm -hmm. which is written by this guy who basically grew up in um the Appalachian Appalachian Kentucky and then he moved to a town of Ohio where a lot of them went to okay um because basically he's just talking about like how everyone leaves that could leave like to get away from it unless they were like so proud about being from that area that they'd stay even though there was nothing there and it was just this continual reinforcement of, like, all the people with prospects leaving and the people that just don't, and, you know, they don't really have much opportunity staying. Yeah. And then them feeding a culture of, like, resentment that yeah. stays behind. Um, and, yeah, basically saying this is what we need to try and do differently, you know. So it's, like, it's a really good book, actually. It's a me- it's like, <laughs> Sounds it's like, good. It's like a, I think he said it's a memoir mm. or something of this guy named J.D. Vance who went off to Yale Law and stuff and said it's just a different universe hmm. at Yale Law than it is where he grew up in Kentucky. Because, like, you go to Yale Law and there's, like, ex-presidents <coughs> walking around and Tony Blair's just doing a speech and shaking your hand. It's just crazy stuff like that. But yeah. as in rural Kentucky, it's like... No one has any money. Yeah, like, you're not no getting any
1: of those opportunities.
0: <laughs> no, no, exactly. It's just, it's a different unit. You know, and I think that exacerbates, because people know that stuff exists, Yeah, but it's not them that gets to do it. Yeah. You know, no matter, and they feel like they can't, even if they wanted to, they don't have the money, because no one wants to buy their houses in their not, factory area. No. So they can't sell and leave, mm. um, which is the historical problem of, like, when factories move to a different town. Is like when the factory shuts down, no one wants your real estate anymore. Yeah. So you're stuck in the town. You can't, yeah. So it's like you basically just have to stay with all the people that aren't sure what's going on or what to do. Um Yeah, so anyway, that that was sort of I think that's part of it and that's feeding the EU the anti EU frenzy. Um, because they see it more than just going to London, it's going to Brussels or it's going to Germany or it's going to Spain or mm. whatever. It's just it's further it's and further. It's another
1: level from, of that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's just getting further and further from them. Um, so, yeah.
1: And I guess, too, if you're feeling like you're too small for anyone to care, Mm. you don't want to be putting power, like, it's in an even bigger institution, because it's like you're just going to become smaller and
0: less important to the people in power. Yeah, and and so basically if the facility isn't there and the effort doesn't seem to be there to help (laughs) you, it's like, I don't want to exacerbate the problem. Like, even though, ironically, the thing is the left-wing labour policies are exactly what's probably going to have more of an impact to help them, um, because of the controls it puts on business and everything else to stop it from fleeing from these areas. Yeah, um, It's just not how they interpret it. Yeah. Um, and it's still probably not going
2: to be perfect. Either. No, of course not. It's the worst. But yeah,
0: it's that. The Conservatives are the worst of two choices, but they've identified so much about the EU that it's just, it's demonized now. It's, yeah. it's, it is it's what is causing it to them. Um, but yeah, anyway, so the next point was post-Empire Britain. So obviously this has to be mentioned because people bring it up. And it's basically, a hundred years ago it was the biggest empire in the world. Yeah. And now it's virtually, it's a not nothing, island. but it's a tiny, tiny fraction. A tiny fraction of what it was. Um, and then, of course, obviously, because you had the Empire, and then you went through World War II, and then they decolonized, <clears throat> but they decolonized at the same time that they were industrializing, and everyone's jobs were good, so it's like, it's fine, you know, mm-hmm. like, we're losing the colonies, but there's always rebuilding, tons of works going around, there's plenty of money, it's all fine, and then that started reversing too. Mm. So basically they lost the Empire, they lost that. They have this image of themselves still as this like really quintessential kind of country. And I think mm. um I think it's started to change now, but I think it's taken mm. a very, very long time for because it to change. It was
1: maybe not probably not quite a thousand years, but certainly hundreds of years that they N- were
0: It was really since like the fifteen hundreds. Yeah. Um that they started to get like colonial and then they started to spread out and become a really big deal kind mm. of thing and then there's always obviously there's so much media about it still, like yeah. the Queen stuff and the Crown and the Tudors and all these people <laughs> and all this stuff that my mum watches. Yeah. <laughs> and basically it's all this stuff that's about like historical Britain when A they were super powerful and B they felt like things were really sensible. Like yeah. this was this and this was this and everything made sense. Mm. um we didn't have the internet we didn't have confusing eu stuff we didn't have anything we were just england and this and this sort of thing or britain you know it's like basically england um and um yeah I think, I think i think that is playing now. that is playing into it is that basically the world is just ignoring them more and more and they i think part of that especially again you have to think about this in terms of living in a town where everything's vanishing around you yeah And thinking these people don't have enough money to go somewhere else. So the thing is, their entire life experience is what's going on around them. Yeah. So if you are stuck somewhere and all you see is stuff leaving and stuff dying and people being sad and everything else, it's like, you compare that to the stuff on the TV with like pre-Empire, like Empire Britain or whatever it is, and it's like we've really fucked something up here, and then so they're desperately grasping (coughs) for what they've done.
1: And it's like the Conservatives are probably (coughs) going to make them worse off, but the Conservatives... Like, the left is always not always but often guilty and i know i'm guilty of it of just saying yeah. well these people are fucking idiots they shouldn't be voting yeah. for conservatives because they're fucking idiots yeah and it's like they're not gonna like you like that's not yeah, very exactly. nice that's not very respectful yeah so you can see why they don't uh, like the left because
0: i think the same thing is we live in a silo in the same way that they do very like, much they live so. in a silo that's coming apart whereas the left predominantly lives in the silo the of city the city, city yeah. where everything is changing and evolving all the time and it seems like everything's going great
1: yeah what's it called limousine lefties
0: I haven't heard the term but that's actually really good it's, it's, there's
1: something along those lines. But really. even
0: then, the thing is that the lefties that aren't rich, because obviously a lot of them aren't, uh, it's more just that, it's that city environment, but it's still, though, Yeah, it's still being Because in the you're surrounded by the wealth. The opportunity's yes. there, it's just, you, don't, you haven't broken into it. Yes. Like, that's what it is. It's all around you. But
1: though. you're in that world.
0: You just need to break into that, or that, or that. It's all around you. It's clear that the economy is doing really well, it's just, you're not, you haven't broken into it. Yes. That's what a lot of the left sort of is in the city. But, yeah, you compare that, too. And that's why in every single, like, Anglosphere country, all the cities are left. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I I think it's, like, almost every major American city, I don't think there's any exceptions, votes Democrat. Yeah. And all of the rural environments vote Republican. Yeah. Um, And so the more rural a state, the more likely it'll go right. Um, But, you know, it's the same thing in the UK, is that London and Manchester... Actually, I don't know if Manchester... Yeah, like, the... The cities will predominantly go left. Mm -hmm. Um, But it depends on how well the city's doing, sort of thing. Um, And so then they're like, yeah, and then we should do this and make it fairer because we can see so much wealth around. We Mm -hmm. want it to be more equitably done. Whereas if you're in a tiny place with no money, it's like there's no wealth. What do you, why would you tax people more look there's nothing here, there's nothing here okay? and that's yeah. the and that's the siloed experience and yeah. i think that's what we have to understand when we talk to people um is that people have siloed experiences they don't spend all their time traveling to cities and learning about the differences and everything else they just struggle all the mm. time and they try and figure like out what they're doing
1: i don't spend much time traveling to rules. exactly Towns and seeing how sh- you know how yeah, people no, no. are suffering there. Yeah, yeah.
0: no, no. no yeah, exactly. No, it's shitty. Like, mm. That's the thing. You can say the word shitty. Like, in a lot of these places, there there might have been a massive dairy farming industry or something, and it's just gone, like because yeah. of whatever. Or...
1: <laughs> that's my fault too. I tend to tend trend vegan when I can. So. Yeah, yeah, no,
0: exactly. no, it, it, but that's the thing. Like we we live in bubbles, and yeah. and we have to really push ourselves. And I think that's why I've really been glad that I've listened to a few more things that have kind of straddled the middle or even gone right is because it's explained more about what's going on in those areas yeah and like so i've got a much more diverse idea of what's happening it's not i don't think free market conservatism is the solution to any of that but i think I can see where it comes from. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, anyway. But, yeah, so that, so important. it's it's important to acknowledge the post-Empire a- aspect. But then, okay, so the protest vote, basically, is that this is... A, in a lot of ways, this was a protest vote for the fact that Brexit's gone on too long. <laughs> and a lot of people who... I think they didn't care that much, but now they've heard about it for so long and they want to see what will happen if we do it because everything's just getting worse still. Yeah. They're like... Fuck it, conservatives, come on, just, just jump in do and do something. it. Yeah. And so they're all massively coming out in, in favor of them so they can get something to happen. And that is their experience. And so I think that makes sense why they've gotten so much because there's just, again, all the cities and stuff did the same thing. They voted the same way they did before. But the thing is, it's all these, um, uh, what really changed was all these labor heartland kind of areas where mm. it used to be big factories and stuff where they'd always vote labor, always vote unions, that kind of thing but they're the ones who have the mines disappearing and the factories yeah, and stuff, and so now they're flying up. the same way towards yeah. the right, so that's a lot of those changed. And in fact, some of the Labour strongholds that hadn't changed hands in 50 years changed um, wow. with this last one because it's just it's just the same areas. Mm. Um, yeah, so that that's why it's a protest vote. So, all right, so, I mean, I can pretty much shoot through the historic... So I've got historical written down here. I can kind of just shoot through this because the one thing that's really worth mentioning because we've talked about a lot of it already, is um, that, uh, well, A, many people dislike the anti-nationalist stuff, Mm -hmm. because obviously the British and and a lot of other countries and that kind of area are quite proud of being the country they are. In fact, I think, aside from maybe France, Britain is probably... Britain and France are probably the most, like, nationalist Mm. of the European countries. They're, like, the most, like, we're amazing and proud because they didn't have to lose any of the big wars. Yeah. So they've still got that intact. Um, So I think they didn't didn't like... I didn't... Kind of. So France did, but they won in the end. Yeah, fair. That's really what it is. France won in the end. (laughs) um, They got pretty badly beaten up, but they came back. Yeah. Like, with Charles de Gaulle and everything else. So it's like, that's... A salvageable victory. <laughs> you um, can claim it. So, but they they basically have anti-nationalist stances. Although France is obviously is weaker than Britain because France is part of the EU and doesn't seem to mind that much, except for the Marine Le Pen people. Um, and um, yeah, so so the anti-nationalist stuff, which they I mean they've done, they they haven't liked the EU, but they haven't disliked it either. Yeah. So it's kind of like it's been a confusing thing. But then it was the Greek debt crisis with the GFC because suddenly you had the EU, because it was half-formed, they weren't able, like a federal government, to step in and, like, replace people and change things. Yeah. Basically, you give the EU to a... Sorry, you give the euro to a country, and the euro, and then they can do whatever they want with it. They meant to obey rules, but, like, with the Greek debt crisis, when they came into the EU and were given the euro, they weren't truthful about how much debt they were actually in. Right. So then when... And then, basically, they didn't want to put themselves on austerity or like do anything to cut costs or whatever yeah. to pay the debt off um so they just ended up in this horrible situation where basically they had to get bailed out by the rest of europe and so britain was obviously part of i, th- I think it was part of it but germany i think paid the most um and it's that stuff it's like it's just sapping money like that it's, it just feeds that perception because we can't go and kick all the greek you know politicians out and say do it better next time. Yeah. Basically, instead, they um, just had to let them do it and then bail them out. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that just frustrated, I think, a lot It is of very,
1: I can see the frustration. Yeah, yeah, it's,
0: it's very frustrating. <laughs> so that was, I think, part of it. And that's, that's, again, that's the problem with it not being a federation. It's not that you break the EU, it's that it needs to keep developing to be something useful. And I think a lot of people think it's been designed this way, to be this weird half thing. Yeah. I don't know, it's just, it's silly. But yeah, so basically, that was part of it, because this stuff had happened and and, and pushed people against the EU. Um, And so obviously, the the EU itself is broken, because it's not finished. Mm. It's like, they've kept it in place, because they want it to finish developing. But it's sort of just half doing things. Yeah. So it's not doing things super well. And, um, yeah, I guess it's two different sides you take to that, which is where you just quit or you fix it. Yeah. You know? Uh, but I think, obviously, a lot of people are taking the quit approach. <laughs> you don't, is you, there
1: much of a push, like, plans EU, to become The people
0: or... in the EU administration and things would yeah. love for it to finish developing because they can clearly see where all the problems are. Yeah. But
1: But do they have a roadmap?
0: No. Yeah. Okay. The problem is that fundamentally they want it, but the people in the countries see it as increasingly as just a broken system. Yeah. Not something that you can fix. Yeah. Um, they don't. See, I don't think a lot of people's creativity has gone to the point where they're like, it could just be a federation if we just added this stuff, and then mm. we can fix all these problems. Mm. Um, I think the the perception now has become that it's run by EU bureaucrats, like in air quotes um yeah. which is where they just want it to be like that where it's unaccountable and messy and everything else but the, the people that work in the eu the people that work in that institution that are all the ones i've ever met they're deeply passionate about the idea of having a unified europe that's yeah. properly organized like that's what they want but national governments and national constituencies are all just thinking about what's wrong with it so yeah. it doesn't really have that which is a real shame um, but obviously, leading up to the vote, David Cameron, that he, he did, so he was the guy before May, I think, and I don't know, it was Gordon Brown, I think, was after him as well. No? No, Gordon Brown was after Tony Blair, then it was David Cameron. But David Cameron basically hosted the vote to the referendum, mm. which is basically just asking for an opinion <laughs> to leave the EU, and then it won by, like, 51% or 52% or something really narrow. Um... Which, again, as we've said before, you don't change a constitution with 51%. Like, it's so <laughs> insane, you should need it's a, a supermajority to affect something that huge to stop random constituencies voting for it, because you just you don't want the number to just creak over 51 and then pass a whole bunch of stuff that changes the country. That's the point of having those constitution protections. It should have been the same, but it, it's not, obviously. They're all interpreting it literally
2: cuz uh, what was Australia when we wanted to leave the commonwealth we had I don't know exactly like, I think we had something similar we were on yeah. 50 I 50, don't oh, know close to that yeah. sort of a thing uh, I mean,
0: no, but that's the thing is it, it's, it's you don't you're not meant to do like massive massive changes Without a supermajority. Like, that's generally what they put into most constitutions and everything else. It just... There's no rules of the EU, obviously. what's
2: that percentage, like, 65, 65?
0: That's like... Oh, I don't know. It's like 70-something. <laughs> 70 like yeah. 75 or 80 or something. Oh, okay. Like, so like, it's super, super. Like, you need to really yeah. be like, everyone needs to be pretty damn sure you want to do this big, crazy thing. Like, that's the point. Uh, so 51 or 52% is not enough, usually. But obviously he hosted it because it was like, I don't think this is going to succeed. I just want to have it so then I can forever say it didn't succeed. So then they'll stop bogging me about it. And then it succeeded. <laughs> and he was like, I quit. <laughs> and that's, that's literally what happened. He quit, like, right after it happened because he was like, I don't want anything to do with this. This is a mess. And we all know it's a mess. We've all seen it be a mess. But then obviously he was replaced by someone who was it teresa may that replaced
1: him I or someone so. else i think she was straight away
0: i think so yeah but basically yeah so she came in and then she was like okay it's gonna be my mission to deliver brexit um so she took it really literally really fast um whereas david cameron could have said well it was a referendum um let's actually have a proper parliamentary vote or something about this but
1: it's always a bad look to go against a referendum though like once you've decided to put one on well the thing is i know you don't legally have to do what the people say but you kind of have to yeah
0: i think the thing is what you need to do is address the issue it's not necessarily that you need to actually leave the eu it's that you have to say to it say, all right I have to do something, because 51% of the country doesn't want to be in the EU. So what is the problem with the EU? Yeah. yeah. What can we do to fix it?
2: Yeah, improve the
0: relationship between yeah. the... If 80% than... of the referendum had been leave, then it's like, well, shit, okay, we'll leave. Yeah. But the thing is, it's because it's 51 or 52, or whatever it, well, I don't know what the percentage was, but the thing is, because it's such a slight majority, it's in that territory where you sit at and you look and go, okay what do you not like about it? Can we fix it? Or do we have to actually leave?
1: Drill mm. down and find the actual Because so
0: much of the Brexit campaign was misinformation anyway. Ugh. And like, and it's been proven to be, and now we know that, but we're still proceeding like everything was fine. Um, yeah, so it's, there's a lot of other things they could have done, but obviously once Theresa May came in and took it very literally and said, I have to do this, mm. um, it just sort of was set on its course. And mm. then like obviously it's really hard now for anyone to stop it. Um So yeah, and then, okay, so then there was the Brexit deals that came in, which was basically about having, you know, some part of the union, but not, and then people were kind of mad about it because you weren't, but you were. The problem that they had was um, the Irish backstop. Yeah. So the problem is that the Irish border... Has like ever since they finished the troubles and all that stuff with with Ireland, um, they've basically said it's going to be an open border, there's no border anymore. Like, there can be no solid border, but the problem is that Ireland's in the EU. Yeah. So the thing is that by having this, they have to have customs checks, they that have will. to have all those kinds of things. So they're going to have to put I a say not in. would
1: have, will,
0: yeah. will, yeah. have. Yeah
1: so many issues there so oh basically
0: God. now they have to put in a border again and that's and that's the problem is that Ireland and Northern Ireland won't agree to that no and a lot of people don't want that and they're voting against it in the parliament but that's really the key problem that they can't go to, they can't just leave so that's yeah. why you keep hearing about the irish backstop is because they don't want a border there but they have to have one if one's in the eu and one isn't yeah um so that's an ongoing mess that's sort of trying to fix itself that didn't really get fixed when boris johnson posed his own thing mm. but now he might just be able to do whatever he wants Who knows? so
1: i guess that's just part of the eu rules that says they can't have a separate agreement with what? Uh, like, on the on that border.
0: Uh, well, the problem is that because you have different economic rules, you have different customs rules, you have different immigration, mm. all that sort of stuff, there has to be border checks. Yeah. Like, right. There has to be something yeah. to check what's going in and out, otherwise you can just do whatever you want through, mm. and I don't know, so that's why every yeah, border I of the EU is not going
1: to like that. Yeah. That like, actually, you can't I mean, just... Yeah. You yeah, can't, Yeah.
0: Exactly. Even, yeah, so the thing is, like, that's sort of a difficult one for them to surmount. I think they're trying to work out ways around it by, like, having all of Ireland be technically in a customs union, so Northern Ireland would be part more of the EU than the UK, the rest of it. I don't know. Come they're on. trying to figure that one out. It's a big mess. And it's, lots yeah. of fun. So, um, nothing's really moved for that, um, but we'll see what happens in the coming weeks, because obviously they've got their majority now. Um, the, okay, so basically that's where it is. Um, so predictions, um, which is sort of just my thoughts on it, obviously it's probably come across pretty plainly, but the thing is you're very suddenly going to lose one of the biggest advantages they have is being part of a gigantic um, economic arrangement. Yeah. That's just not going to be there suddenly. And businesses that have to think of the next financial year, the next financial year, like their very next metrics are going to make a big difference. They can't have a year where everything is chaos. (laughs) Even if they fix it uh, for a year or two or five or ten, and they come out with some big trade deal that everyone likes... um, A lot of businesses, like, established ones that have very precisely worked out financial statements and things, which is a lot of the bigger ones, um, are going to leave. And they'll just go to France or Germany or something like that because there's tons of support there. There's tons of economic support. There's plenty of people speak English in Germany. Like, it's just not really a big deal. They go to Ireland. And that's why Ireland's made so much money is because, Mm. like, Ireland is, like the gateway to Europe for English-speaking countries. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, there's there's tons of places that they could take their business, and they probably will, because it's too much of a shock to be in a country where suddenly your... um, uh, your pound just goes down. Because the problem is all the businesses aren't ready for it. They've been like, is Brexit happening? Is it not happening? Is it happening? So, like, they they haven't got all the stuff worked out, their inventory, their, you know, their logistics setups, the fuel, the everything, like, the whole country's economy, which is this massively complicated thing, is just going to get a big sledgehammer taking to the side of it because um, everything is going to have to change suddenly, there'll be different rules and all the stuff they've worked out over hundreds of years Hmm. is suddenly just very quickly flipped on its head because you're not part of the EU anymore. So businesses will leave en masse.
2: Is that, do, you reckon that's, um, do you reckon that's factored in by parliament and politicians? that oh, a I, think lot are?
0: I think that's a big reason why they don't want a no-deal Brexit. That's why they keep voting against that. Because deal Brexits have ideally sort of had some provision to maintain a lot of the existing trading rules yeah. Yeah. while they work things out. And so a no-deal Brexit is basically... Everything is cancelled. Yeah. So they have to work out everything again, and they're not really ready for that. Like, they I think they've that been takes making, a long prepa- time. <laughs> yeah, they've been making preparations.
2: But it takes a lot of control away. A lot of people just go make their own minds up in, yeah. in that time period if something's not.
0: Yeah, no, no. I, yeah, no, exa- exactly. Conclusion, the thing is, yeah. that businesses are going to get, businesses are going to get, they're gonna leave because it's such an uncertain environment and they have no idea what's gonna happen to the place so that's why a lot of them were moving their manufacturing over the past couple of years to like Romania and things like that Mm -hmm. because it's just like they just don't know what's happening in the UK Mm. Um, so that's gonna keep going the Dyson thing I told you about when they moved to Singapore because Brexit was just too ridiculous um, they say it's not, but we all know that's exactly why suddenly Dyson decided to go to Singapore. Because
2: um, obviously, a lot of people are just trying not to stir the pot too much. As well. No, they don't want
0: to talk, they don't want to say that's why, because it would hurt their brand. Yeah. But they yeah. say, no, no, it's just other reasons. We other do than- this anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, I
1: yes.
0: Love <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so look, honestly, I think the pound will crash. It might recover, but it will definitely crash initially um it'll recover to some degree but who knows and then basically what'll happen to um britain is it's going to have to engage in all these trade deals but it's going to have like no bargaining power Mm. so Mm. it's going to be like i am now the tiny country with no influence Mm. and i'm trying to make deals with the big countries
1: i mean that's what's been such a big delay isn't it that they're getting bad deals offered because they Mm. don't actually have any yeah, bargaining power, no, 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 exactly. and they don't want to take a bad deal because yeah. of course they don't.
0: Yeah, no, 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 of course. And the thing is that again, it ties back into that post empire thing where yeah. they think they have a lot of clout, yeah, and they think Britain is this big industrial powerhouse that can do all this stuff. But you just you, the rest of the world has developed so much that there is not a lot that Britain offers mm. anymore that you can't get in Ireland or Germany or America or Canada or something or somewhere else mm. or Australia. The thing is. There's just, there's other places that compete with them too hard that without the EU, they're kind of just like, I honestly think they're going to go, there's a very good chance they're going to go the way of like, you know, the the Baltic states or Mm. something, you know, where like they're small, just desperately looking for an edge, but don't really have anything to offer, Mm. you know, like Estonia or Lithuania or something like that, where it's like, there's nothing really wrong with the place, it's just it's underdeveloped, they don't really have anything that they can offer, but... That's why places like um, Lithuania, I think, has some of the fastest internet in the world because they—they're a small country and they've just powered hard into making it a tech hub. That makes sense because that's something they can control. Yeah, how's that going for them? It's helping them. They are actually getting better, but they were incredibly poor Mm. before. So where they've gotten to is probably way below where Britain wants to be. Yeah. So it's like. I mean, Britain doesn't really offer, has anything to offer. It's the thing, like, like, if you think logically as a business, once it's not in the EU, it's like, I want to expand, I want to open new branches, I want to open employment offices, whatever it is, like, Mm. oh, sorry, employment offices, I want to open places to get people to work there, whatever it is. What does Britain offer? And the only thing they can really do now is drastically lower their tax rates and screw their people over to make themselves a manufacturing centre. Yeah. But then they're just going the way of Bangladesh. Mm. And like, I really don't think that's what they want. <laughs> <laughs> um so I yeah, look, I, I don't really see any positives on the outset for the UK, but they, they're determined to do it anyway. So um, in
2: other words, gone from Britannia
0: to Britannia. Yes. Brit hey. Britany. yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Brittany wings. I think, the t- I think I think I think tie it all back to what we talk about, which is obviously like global federalism and things like that, and like a world unification. I think we have to take lessons from um, what the EU's done, like yeah. what it's become and how people reacted to it, because the exact same thing will happen to this, like mm. to world federalism, because what will happen is if it half develops. And we have the same thing. You're going to get the same reactions. Yeah. Where it just seems like a far off manipulative exploited system and people are just going to get annoyed and mad. And I think we have to make sure that if it grows and goes into something and becomes something within any of our lifetimes, that it has to be paid attention to and managed in a way where... It doesn't sit in that area. Like, there's a constant push or a constant information flow to tell everyone, this is the end point, mm-hmm. right? We're actually trying to get to this bit. Right now, it's here. You could leave or just help us get it to here, and then you'll have all this stuff, yeah. right? You'll get this and this and this and this. Um, the problem that we're going to always have is that it's going to war up against nationalism because yeah. all these countries are going to be super nationalist and super, like, oh, that's scary. <laughs> I don't want you taking over. So, like, it's going to be a challenge. Um, and all this stuff is going to be relevant, but it's, I think as long as we pay attention to it and keep that information flow going, yeah. um, and not assuming that people understand what the EU could be, because it's yeah. almost like that's what's happening. Mm. It's like, it's clearly this and should be this, but like, no, it's not clearly anywhere. <coughs> yeah. Like, it's, it's not communicated. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's probably my conclusion, I guess, is that there's lots of stuff that we have to learn from it. <coughs> um
1: try to avoid the same mistakes
0: yeah no exactly so and if you guys don't have anything to add I guess we'll just wrap it up
2: wrap it up
0: That's good <laughs> alright well that has been my super depressing episode on breakfast
2: we're
0: gonna go cry now yeah I'm, I'm crying now <laughs> it's very stable with my voice <laughs> internally
2: you're a, you're not the man you were
0: the of this episode no apparently not anyway I will see you later this has been Daniel
2: I've been Carla. And I'm still
0: Shannon. Fantastic.